0: Thank you. To this episode of HBCU, I'm your host, D Brown, CEO. Joining me today are John and Omarosa Newman, both serve on the advisory board of the Executive MBA program for Howard University. Welcome to HBCU. I'm glad to have you all on the show.
1: <laughs> so glad to be back on HBCU.
0: So now I know Omarosa, you are a big HBCU supporter and Uh, You've graduated from multiple HBCUs, (laughs) but I want to talk a little bit today about the role that you all are uh, serving in at Howard University right now.
1: Yes, thank you for having me back here. I am a proud graduate of Central State University uh, for my undergrad, and I was also an athlete there and served as Miss CSU. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> um, I went to Howard University for my master's in doctoral studies, and I am currently a student at the Southern University and Baton Rouge Law Center. Wow. And my husband is here.
0: <laughs> John, we're glad to have you on the show as well. Happy to be here. Thanks yeah. for having me. So tell me a little bit, a little bit about what you're doing at uh, Howard
2: University. Well, I, I'm thankful to be privileged to serve along with my wife on the um, School of Business Executive uh, education program, we do all kinds of things. We sit on capstones, we just did that recently, and they're like five, six, seven hours yeah. where uh, these young folks who are working in, which to the genius of HBCUs, uh-huh. so many diverse areas in our cyber intelligence areas of our, of our nation's for protection, uh, Amazon, um, Target, major corporations these folks are working in. Right. And it really speaks to the level of excellence of the product that Howard University is putting out. And so we're very proud to be a part of that. And I chair the Minister's Division of the Executive um, Education piece for the School of Business at Howard. And that's where we help ministers make sure to know that all of the necessary ingredients for success in ministry using today's tools are available to them, particularly social media.
0: Omarosa, why is it important for you all to uh, go back and serve in this capacity?
1: I think that each of our HBCUs have given us so much. I often listen in on my husband's classes at Payne Theological Seminary where he is a candidate for the doctorate degree in ministry. And I listen to his cohort and how much the university gives to them. And because my HBCUs have given so much to me and so much to my husband, we want to give back. Now, of course, we we donate funds and resources, computers and that sort of thing to the program. But I also think it's very important for graduates of these great institutions to give back their time Mm -hmm. and their resources and mentor young people because they truly are the future. And so we have to pour into them.
0: But, John, now you graduated from a PWI, <clears throat> uh, just as, uh, mm-hmm. as I did myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is it important for you to now contribute to an HBCU? You know, honestly, I
2: I didn't realize what I missed until I got involved with an HBCU up close. I began, actually, as a uh, board of trustee member of Wilberforce University. Okay. Um, under the leadership at that point of Herman Um, Felton, who you know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it was a tremendous experience. A lot of the challenges, of course, were around fiscal issues. But I saw there a camaraderie, a community of support that I had never been a part of. Right. I had never felt that experience as a student. Yeah. But I felt it as a trustee board member. And when I had an opportunity to go into the doctoral uh, program, Payne Theological Seminary, located in Wilford, <laughs> Ohio, <Fort Soraya. laughs> <laughs> granted me that opportunity. And the cohort of which my, my wife just spoke, there is a camaraderie, and she warned me, she said, listen, when you get with a cohort, <laughs> yep. you, the, you're, you, you're married for life, kind of right, thing, right? right? It's like, you're, you're, you're gonna be supporting each other for the rest of your lives. And I said, okay, great, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> if one of us gets sick, Everybody's calling and texting, how are you doing? You know, um, we just have this, we pray for each other. We Mm -hmm. we just encourage each other, we're there for each other. And I never had that kind of camaraderie. And it's not to be pejorative, you know, towards PWIs, but I just never had that kind of camaraderie that I have at NHBCU and also never really had the appeal to a historical sense of excellence that I inherited as an African-American student. And it just unearths that in you, in the educational process. I I would encourage any parent who wants to see excellence in
0: their children, send them to an HBCU. No, I I agree with you 100%. So Omarosa, why do you feel that HBCUs are so important uh, to communities of color?
1: You no, you look at historically why HBCUs were important to our community. It wasn't because we just wanted to create our own institutions. It's because we were not welcome into PWIs. They wouldn't admit us. Right. And so we created institutions that allowed us to have access to the American dream. And that tradition continues today. You see institutions um, in our community educating more doctors, African-American doctors, MBAs, lawyers, mm-hmm. uh, politicians, yep. as we see in in uh, Kamala Harris. right. but the reason why it also is a reminder of the greatness that's come out of this mm-hmm. institute these institutions, but also the potential of right. the students who are currently there.
0: right no, I agree with you hundred uh, percent. John, mm-hmm. historically, uh, as Omarosa talked about, we as a people were not allowed to attend uh, PWIs uh, Mm -hmm. before segregation, before the end of segregation. And HBCUs were really the only path uh, that we had available uh, to Mm -hmm. continue our education. Nowadays, uh, options are limitless in terms of where we can go. My question is, why do you feel that African-Americans don't lean to HBCUs as much? now that we have so many different options available. I think, and that's an excellent question, uh, Dee, I think it is because
2: of the level of opportunity that's available to other schools. And also, in a sense, it goes to some of what I would consider the emotional and social pathology in our community, thinking that we're not good enough that other schools have something we lack. Now it is true that if you wanna compare facilities that oftentimes the PWIs have more simply because they historically have gotten more funding, right? and also in many instances they have a more active alumni, Correct. but that active alumni also are in positions fiscally to be able right. to support them and have billion dollar you know, endowments. Right. So I think that a lot of it is that but, I would also say, though, at the end of the day, there is also a a lack of understanding of the legacy that we as African Americans inherit as at being in education. as my wife just said, Mary mcLeod Bethune starting Bethune Cookman with five dollars. Mm-hmm. you know, Bishop Payne starting Wilberforce with you know. Ten thousand dollars investment and six students right you know many students don't even know the history mm-hmm. right. of what, what it took to create these institutions right and so I think if they really think hard and long about you know where, where would I get the best education, not just where would I get a degree because it's, it's more than a degree,, yep. it's a community right. I walked on the quad with my wife at Howard. <laughs> and. <laughs>
0: It was amazing. Yeah, we
1: we love homecoming at Howard.
0: It's it's a total (laughs) education, not just a degree. Right. So we know that more than 50% of um, African-American kids test below college readiness uh, when leaving high school. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes they can't get into uh, PWIs because their uh, academics uh, don't meet the uh, standards. Mm -hmm. And so many HBCUs, offer programs that will allow them to continue their education. Mm -hmm. And it's more cost effective Mm -hmm. uh, as well. Mm -hmm. And so with that being said, why do you feel that today, more than ever before, HBCUs still play a critical role in educating communities of color?
1: Well, I, um, I often talk about arriving at Central State and having Dr. Joe Lewis take me through a program called the University College, which is when you're not ready in a particular area, you take certain classes to help you get ready. Um, And Dr. Lewis made it very clear that he wanted me to be ready so that I was in a situation to succeed. So he set me up for success by giving me those options and those resources. When you talk about the preparedness, I was an athlete coming out of high school. I could have gone to the Ohio State's, I could have gone to Bowling Green or the other institutions in Ohio. I made an intentional choice to be educated at institutions that always welcomed me. That racism and division was never in their DNA as with some of the other institutions. And so it was a personal choice. I do recognize that some of the high schools are not preparing um, our students to go into other institutions. But it also presents a great opportunity for HBCUs right. to take the students who were not college prepared, were not taking college prep classes or advanced prep classes, and say that you can still get a quality college education and we'll give you the tools to do
2: so. Right. And I think that, and I don't want this to be an oversimplification day to, to your question, but I think that what PWIs historically have done is looked at your performance. And based on those performance metrics, you can and can't get in. Right. What HBCUs do is look at your potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in right. looking at your potential, your numbers may
0: not match up, but come into our hands and our grasp. Right. We'll right. get you there. Yeah. Right. And that brings me to the, the next part of what makes HBCUs uh, so special is that the... Um, the mentorship and the the second parents and and all that part that comes with that experience. Uh, Speak to that for me.
1: Oh, you know, the first experience I had with um, HBCU parenting, mentoring and that sort of thing, I missed my broadcast class three times in a row and my central state dad, uh, John Turk Logan, called my mama, <laughs> like he <laughs> called my mother. It was like, you know, they call me Oni. Oni hasn't been in class, do you know what's going on? She said, I will find out. My mama <laughs> called me and was like, are you in class? I was like, oh sure, I'm, I'm heading right to class. She's like, no, you're not, your professor called me. That's the level of caring and right. mentorship and guidance. They're not going to allow you to fail. You fail. You're not going to fall through the cracks at an right. HBCU. Somebody within that institution is going to notice that you're not there. They're going to ring you and ring your parents and say, right. what's going on? Why aren't you here, and what can we do to make sure that you get through the entire four years of your time at that school? That's the difference between an HBCU, I think, and other institutions, in my experience. Now, in terms of mentors, and and forgive me if I go on a little bit, because Mm -hmm. I have had so many who've touched my lives. Dr. Barbara Williams, when I talked to her about my dyslexia, and how I didn't think I would succeed at the highest levels gave me the tools that I needed to be successful to manage my, uh, my dyslexia and to excel. And she personally saw fit to make sure that my accommodations are, were extended to me by the professors right. without any stigma. I can't say that I wouldn't have gotten that at another school, but I certainly got the covering that I needed and the tools that I needed to succeed, and and I attributed a lot of that to my HBCU mentors.
0: Right. You know, a lot of HBCUs, as you mentioned earlier, John, uh, lack critical uh, infrastructure. Mm. Uh, Some of the facilities uh, are in disrepair, and they don't receive the same level of funding as uh, many PWIs. So with that being the case, how important is it for alumni to stay actively involved and contribute back to their HBCU? I think it's critical, I really do. And there has to be a sense of
2: conscientiousness that so many people, as my wife said, the whole community, it takes a village, right? A whole village poured into her to help her to be successful. A whole village pours into these children. And these professors aren't making a ton of money but they've poured their lives into these children right. to produce, maybe for the first time in a household, first time graduates of college. Right. right. And it's important for those who go through that process to remember, to not get amnesia, yeah. to remember the path they have come and to recognize they've got to pay it forward. Yeah. They've got to do something to put in and pour into someone else's life as they've been poured into. And to
0: to make a difference, not walk away, continue the legacy. Right. Mm -hmm. So Omarosa, uh, you currently serve as the Vice President of Self-Made TV and I want you to talk a little bit about Self-Made TV and how you feel that your HBCU experience helped get you to the place in life where you have accomplished all the things you've accomplished.
1: Uh, You know, becoming Vice President of Self Made TV, I believe, is a full circle moment. Um, I trained at the Communication Center at Central State University in broadcast. I learned all the ins and outs to be an editor, to be a producer, to be on-air talent. To be able to be a part of Self Made TV where we get to tell the stories of African Americans where we get to show content that celebrates our lives, every aspect, the joys, the pains, the ups, the downs, to buy original content like the Chadwick Bozeman project mm-hmm. that we have coming out that no one else has, exclusively mm-hmm. available to viewers through the self-made platform all of the movie options all of the television options even gaming i mean we have gaming which really speaks to every uh, age spectrum all the generations we get to offer that and celebrate a culture that is worth celebrating and so to serve in the role as vice president to be able to work with talented folks like yourself um, who had this vision right to have to have the vision to say that our stories are worth being told and must be presented in a platform that's convenient for everyone. I mean, you get to watch all of this. Everything that I just described is on your phone. Right. You get to take it with you. I'm so honored because I do truly see the full circle moment. Uh, We went down to the film festival to purchase content And what would we see? Just a sea of African-American HBCU Mm -hmm. students, film students serving in the role of registration or ushers. I mean, it was just, you know, you just have to stop and say that, um, you know, God has been good and and I'm very proud to serve as vice president and to be able to have talked to those HBCU students about self-made. I saw myself in them. So Mm -hmm. yes, I'm, I'm very excited and honored to serve in that role. Mm
0: -hmm. John, I want to ask you, uh, Mm -hmm. what role do you think um, entrepreneurship uh, play in us being able to strengthen uh, the black economy, the black family, and build generational wealth? Well, certainly,
2: entrepreneurship is the key. The ability to create businesses that can hire and meet the needs of the community. Oftentimes, when people go, come out of college and they graduate and they go off into their careers, they kind of sequester themselves away from the community. Hence why there's not a lot of support from alumni back right. to schools. Right. But if there's a certain conscientiousness about the community itself and if there can be a level of awareness whereby I've got to give back, create jobs, create businesses, pour back into the community, it impacts so much in the community. As a pastor, oftentimes I tell people, a man who comes into my uh, office and just got out of jail, when you backtrack it, well, I was upset. Why were you upset? Well, my wife said something that upset me. Well, why did she do that? Well, we were struggling talking about paying bills. Well, why are you struggling paying bills? I don't have a job. The lack of entrepreneurial opportunity fills jails Businesses can impact that by creating jobs and then
0: creating wealth by creating businesses as a result. It's critical. Right, Omarosa, I want to ask you uh, on a different set of questions. If you had to tell a young family uh, that's getting ready to send their kids off to college why they should consider an HBCU, (laughs) what would you tell them?
1: I would say to those parents, particularly, that if you send your children to HBCUs, they'll be in good hands. They'll be looked after, not not just on the academic part, because a lot of people focus on just the grades as opposed to really building productive, uh, accomplished human beings who can contribute to society in a big way. And that's what HBCUs do. So to the parents, I would say they'll be in good hands they will be trained to be distinguished young men and women, but they'll be challenged to go back into their community and like Du Bois, you think of the talented 10th. They'll move forward to advance our culture, but they'll also be challenged to look back, to give back to their communities and to make a difference in some significant way.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. Jen, how do you feel your role um, at the Howard School of Business uh, on the advisory board. How do you feel that role will help impact uh, HBCU students? Oh, absolutely. For one thing, just
2: the ability to help pastors in their roles and to learn the latest techniques takes them back into those ministries and communities, uses those things to reach people. And they also are able to say in their own story, you know, some of the things we're doing now are things I learned at Howard University. It says something. Right. I mean, I've had, I've had some kids from my church to become now Bison alum, yeah. simply <laughs> because of the things right. I brought back right. from the experience of the, on the executive. We have uh, a
1: little influence on their, cho- their choices. Of-
2: <laughs> a little bit, because they know they're gonna really be taken care of. Right? You know? But if I could just, just very briefly, very, very quickly, because um, I know time is precious, mention something my wife said. In slavery, we took the leftover stuff and now the delicacies. HBCUs may not have the best buildings, may not have the biggest budget, but we'll take the scraps and produce geniuses. Right. That's what we do.
1: And, and just uh, to that point, one of the things that you do, uh, Dee, and I, ha- I have to stop to celebrate this, is that you recognize that the infrastructure of these institutions are now failing. And what P3 does and comes in to rebuild these institutions so that they are more appealing to parents of these students. And when they come to visit the dorm, it's an appealing place that they would want their students to be. And so I really appreciate that and the work that you do with 10 grand for your band, (laughs) and also recognizing uh, student poverty and hunger by addressing those things. I, I mean, these are all essential for business private sector to give back
0: right. to our institutions. And it's, it's uh, part of our corporate responsibility to set the standards for others to, to follow because what we know is that when we go out and we um, initiate these initiatives within colleges, uh, it encourages others to do the same thing. And so just some real quick facts. When a parent send their kid off to college, mm-hmm. they want to know they have somewhere decent to stay Mm. They wanna make sure they have somewhere to eat. Mm. And the thing that people really don't know is that at least uh, over one third of college students suffer from food insecurity. Mm. Uh. A significant number of college students are homeless. And so when they come to college and they're able to be housed in clean and sanitary conditions, and they have access to healthy food options. Uh, that's paramount to them being able to have the mindset and the mentality uh, and the wherewithal to continue and complete their education because a lot of kids leave college because of the lack of access to those very things. Wow. And so when we go and we're you know, building uh, facilities and, and student housing and those sorts of things uh, on college campuses. Uh, we, we we view that as essential and critical infrastructure. Uh, when we adopt food pantries uh, mm-hmm. on, under our attack on hunger program and allow kids on campus not to have to worry about where their next meal is gonna come yeah. from and, and they're able to focus on education, uh, that's, that's critical uh, and essential services to uh, that college. And I think that being able to have these programs and fund these programs at colleges around the country, HBCUs and minority-serving institutions uh, in particular, uh, I feel like that's part of our corporate responsibility to give back and give a hand up to allow the next generations of uh, of children to come forward and be successful. But knowing what I know from being on the board of Wilberforce, and we had those challenges when I was on the board, every HBCU ought to be knocking on your door to get work to you to help meet those needs. Well, you know, it's an education process. And so what we have to do is we have to take the, the, the wins that we can get, mm-hmm. uh, show the case studies, continue to show success stories. And and then I think that in time, mm-hmm. more and more and more uh, HBCUs will, will recognize the benefit of what we do. But as we close this program out, John, I don't want to do that without recognizing the, contribu- the contribution that you are uh, paying to historically black colleges and universities by serving in the capacity that you're serving in at Howard University because what you and Omarosa are doing uh, is changing lives of young uh, people of color. And so for that, I want to award you with our HBCU Lifetime Achievement Award for your commitment to historically black colleges and universities. And thank you so much, John. I appreciate you being on the show. Omarosa, (laughs) as always, thank you for joining us on this episode. (laughs) And to my viewers, thank you for watching this episode of HBCU. And remember, without you, there's no me.